If you've got your Bibles, I want to preach a message, the cost of following Jesus. The cost of following Jesus. Turn away to the book of Luke. But Chris is over there looking at me like, please hurry up. Please tell me. <laughs> turn, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. This chapter has got 62 verses, and I'm going to make 62 points. I'll try to make it quick. Just bear with me about four and a half hours, and I promise I'll let you try to be home by midnight. It is 719, so if y'all give me about four and a half hours, we'll go home. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, let's, let's start in verse 57. That sounds a little better, don't it? Verses 57 and read down to verses 62. It says, and it came to pass that... As they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, Lamb of God. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this time, Lord. Like I said, I thank you for this church, Lord. God, I would pray, God, that you would just take and you would just use me tonight, Lord. Let my words be few, but let them be mighty, Lord. God, as I stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, I would ask, Lord, that you would just take and you would just anoint me. Lord, Lamb of God, take and allow me to speak only that that needs to be spoken. Lord, we praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one is... Right here, you're going to find it in verses 57 and 58. He says to the first man that came up unto him, he, that says that there was a certain man that said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And this is when it says that Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not nowhere to lay his head. First thing I want us to see about this is the condition of following him. The condition of following him. I looked up this word, the condition, in the Webster's, and it says it's the state of something with regard to its appearance, quality, or working order. Now, I can't tell by Scripture. I don't know if this man left right then and there immediately, but I do know from the other gospel accounts by reading stories about this kind of an account, I find that everyone usually left and turned and left went away sorrowful is what the Bible says. So I would say that this man probably did the very same thing when he walked away. This man, he didn't sit there and try to reason it out. I think when Jesus tells him, 
I think when Jesus says the foxes have holes and the birds have a nest, but I don't know if I where I'm going to lay my head from night to night, I think this man got to wondering and he got to contemplating about the conditions of the life of following Christ. How many knows I believe that people take and they, they, they feel like God may be calling them into something more and something deeper, but they begin, I know I did, there was a times when I felt like God was calling me, there would be times and whenever God, when he first really got me called into the ministry, I would think, God, there has to be times where there's going to be a Motel 6 at least where I can lay my head. Is there a place where I can find a hamburger every once in a while? But you know what? Whenever I quit uh, my job at one time to go full time, putting up tents and just going anywhere I could, throwing up a gospel tent, trying to preach the gospel. Uh, how many knows? I didn't know one night to the next where we was going to be. I drug my wife all across the southeast of the, uh, like Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, and all places like that, just trying to find somebody to tell about Jesus. Uh, there was a man who called me my first tent. I remember uh, the, my first tent that I got, and I hope y'all just can bear with me a few minutes. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, but I remember the first tent I got, I had a pastor friend called me from Oklahoma and said, brother, he said, you want this tent? And I said, sure do I want it. Uh, he said, well, come pick it up. And I got to his house. It was laying on a pallet uh, and it was so dry and brittle, Brother Chris. Uh, you could hear it crinkle when you picked it up. Uh, what'd you do? I went home with it. Uh, I stretched it out in my front yard. Uh, I took and I got about a gallon of baby oil and I just poured it on top of that tent. Uh, and I began to let it bake into the sun. Uh, I began to go out there and I would uh, put wind up underneath it to get, try to bring the moisture back into it. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I didn't care. I just wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, what are you trying to say? Uh, I believe that this man right here, he takes and he begins to look at the situations uh, that Jesus had just got through telling him. Uh, the Bible says the foxes have holes. Uh, the birds of the air have a place to lay down. Uh, he said, but I don't know where I'm going to be every night. Uh, I don't know where we're about to sleep. Uh, but you know what? Uh, as long as we can tell somebody else uh, about who I am and what I came for. Uh, how many know it's worth it all. I believe with all of my heart that if we could just take, I'm not saying that we all need to just go out of town and try to find somebody. I'm talking about when we're down here at the local Walmart. I told Brother Johnny just the other day, he was sharing something with me and I told him, I said, you know, I've been putting uh, tracks down in my front pocket when I go to Walmart, just praying God, let me run into one person that I can tell about who you are. How many knows? Because God's been dealing with me. If you can't go nowhere, go to your local town. How many knows this last missionaries conference that we had, it stirred something up in me that makes me want to tell everybody that there's a Jesus to save. There's a heaven that can be your home. There's a hell that you can avoid. And there's a place that we can go that we can find eternal life. But we took that tent and then the condition, I considered the condition of the cost of following him. We took this tent. I remember the first place we put it up was about 30 miles up the road from the house. We took this tent up there and I had to make my own tent post for it. Man, we look like bona fide gypsies. Brother Chris, we look like bona fide gypsies. I took two befores and ripped uh, about an inch off of it and 
took me some rebar about that long, drove down on the top of the stakes, I mean, top of the poles. And for my stakes, I used T-post cut in half. And that's what we used. And I took some old little old string rope and put down for the curtain poles. I, hey, y'all, but hey, hey, guess what? I used that thing for about a year and a half until God blessed me with a brand new one. That's how God works. God's seen our faithfulness, and, and before it was over with, God gave me one that ain't never even been put up. How many knows what is that? That's God at work. But we took that tent, and we put it up about 30 miles from the house, and I remember talking to the pastor. I said, Pastor, at the church that we was at, I said, Pastor, we've got another revival lined up about an hour and a half down the road when we leave here. I said, we're just trying to pinch pennies just to make sure that we got the funds to get to this next revival. I, I said, we, what, what, is there anything that we can work out? And he said, what do you mean, son? I, I said, well, to keep from driving back and forth and wasting all that fuel. I, he said, son, you're more than welcome to stay over there in the fellowship hall beside the church. I, we took and we stretched a pallet out on a concrete floor. I, we took and we he had a shower in there, a kitchen in there. I, we made ourselves at home in that little old, uh, fellowship hall. How many knows? But before the end of the revival, we saw a girl come up uh, that was bound with 16 years of homosexuality uh, and she come crying to the altar. Uh, she gave her life to Jesus. Uh, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say uh, the cost of following him uh, is worth it all. Uh, I usually don't talk about myself much at places but you know what? Uh, I just wanted to preach tonight uh, that it pays to serve God. Uh, the cost of following him is worth it all. Uh, another revival I remember we went to, uh, there was a uh, we, we, the very next revival y'all that we went to uh, we got that tent out there on the way to the tent lot uh, the truck decides to go out about 1 o'clock in the morning brother Chris about 20 miles from the tent lot it was pouring water out my tailpipe I mean just as quick as I was pouring water in the muffler I mean into the muffler duh I was pouring it into the uh, radiator it was blowing it out my tailpipe we took and I called that pastor and I said, brother, I need help. He said, what's going on? I said, well, the truck's done, went and laid down on me. He took and he come up there and he pulled up in a minivan of all things. I said, brother, I got this trailer right here and we got this tent. What are we going to do with this minivan? He said, well, I took the seats out. We started beginning to pack the tent up, pack luggage up, pack everything up. Made about three trips back and forth, back and forth uh, to about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, when we finally got the tent there that night, uh, about six o'clock in the morning, we got up. We went to staking, putting the tent up. Uh, and about the time we nearly get all the way up with it, I hear something that just made a god-awful wrench. The tent just rips from the bottom all the way to the top nearly. We take and we, I looked at that pastor and I just fell to my knees, I begin to bawl, I, I begin to squall, I begin to tell God, Lord, that I miss you, am I not really, is this not what I'm supposed to do? About that time, I felt a hand put around my shoulder and the pastor that I was there with, uh, he said, son, don't give up. Uh, he said, son, just keep fighting. Uh, he said, son, just keep pressing. Uh, he said, we're going up with this tent. Uh, we put that tent on up, had a moonroof across that tent that night, uh, but you know what? Uh, we were praising God all the way 
way through it. What happened? Well, the next morning we took the tent down. I sewed it up. We put it back up before the service started. But you know what? About the third night of that tent revival, there was a woman that had pulled up about midnight, y'all. Midnight. And she had a pistol in her pocket book. And she said, son, or she looked at me and she said, son, if I don't get some help tonight, she said, I'm on my way to blow my brains out. We fell down on our knees. We began to pray. We began to call out to God before it was over with this woman takes and she stands up. She begins to shout. She begins to get her victory. Sister Peggy, she left there with Jesus in her heart and she left there putting her gun up. She left there. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you tonight the cost of following Him is worth it all. You can do something to make a difference in somebody's life. I don't care what they say. I wasn't on this account that I just told about. It was not because I was preaching. It was not because she heard some sermon. All she needed was to know that somebody would pray with her. That somebody would care enough to tell her that somebody loves you. You don't have to go down this dark road. What do you mean preacher? I'm telling you tonight. You don't have to be a preacher to take and have a cost to serve him. You can be right where you're at on your job where you take and where you go can be your ministry. Just tell someone about Jesus. Just tell someone. Not only do I see that this man takes and he wants all of this, but I just begin to ponder. Speaking of food, I'm hungry. <laughs> just play it. <laughs> no, speaking of food, can I tell y'all one more testimony? And then I'll get on to my message, the rest of it. One more testimony. This one just blesses my heart every time I tell it. On that same revival that we were going to, the second tent revival, we loaded the tent up. It was about 8 o'clock, almost dark, because it was early summer. It was nearly dark. Sister Peggy and my wife got up in the truck, and we had to go down the road to my neighbor's house. And he was letting me borrow something for the tent. I think it might have been a soundboard or something. And as I got there, on the way down there, my wife looks at me. Candy looks at me. Y'all know who my wife is. Candy looks at me. Brother Chris, and she says, Terrence, she said, you know I sure would like to have a hamburger. And I said, baby, I know. I said, but you know the finances. I said, we've got just enough for fuel. We've got just enough to make it. There's just not enough. I told you to eat at the house. I mean, we just ain't got it. She said, I know we don't. She said, I'm just telling you what I'm craving. I said, okay. So we got going down the road. We drove about two or three miles to, that, to my neighbor's house. And y'all, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That brother helped me put that soundboard up in the truck. And he come over there to my side of the truck. And he begins to tell me how proud he was of me. Because I was doing something for God. He began to tell me how, how different things. And then he looks over at Candy. 
And he says, honey, he said, thank you for following your husband. Thank you for just sticking with him. She started tearing up. She said, well, you're welcome. He said, hang on. He walks over there to her side, tells her to roll her window down, reaches in, gives her a hug and kisses her on the cheek. And I'm not going to kiss you. (laughs) Kisses her on the cheek. And tells her, he watched both of us grow up, so y'all don't think nothing about that. He's just an older gentleman. But he, he takes and, Brother Box, he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a piece of money and says, Here, honey, on your way, go stop and get you a hamburger. Tell me God does not care about your every need. She didn't pray about it. All she did was look at me and say, I would sure like to have a hamburger. And I'm not lying, y'all, that her his exact words was, go get you a hamburger. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say God cares enough that if you consider the cost, if you don't ponder about what am I going to do, how am I going to make it, where is it going to come from, is there enough that's going to be in the bank, don't you worry about that. Because you know what? I know a God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Is that not what this word says? He says, I care enough about the sparrows. And if I know about everyone that hits the ground, I know the hairs on your head. And I care enough for you that I will take care of you and I'll be there for you. But not do I only see the, the, the cost of the condition of following him, but I see the commission of following him. Look in verses 59 and verses 60. It tells us, and he said unto another this is Jesus speaking now follow me but look at what he replies back to Jesus he says Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father and Jesus said let the dead bury their dead but go thou and do what he says preach the kingdom of God the commission actually when I looked up the word commission it's an instruction it's a command and it's a duty given to a person or group of people What are you trying to say? Jesus gives a certain commission to this man. What is the commission? Number one, it was follow me. Number two, he tells them, he says, let the dead bury their dead. I want you to take and I want you to go and preach the kingdom of God. What are you trying to say? What is this preacher? What does this mean? It means what the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 9 and verses 15 or 56, I'm sorry, it says, the son of man is not come to destroy man's lives but he is come to save them as they went into another village what do you mean the message that we're supposed to preach is about Jesus' salvation and what he can do for you number one people need to know that they ain't got to take and die in their sins that means more than anything else number one that's the number one thing that we're to preach behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. All we're to do is just tell people that Jesus can see them out of their problems, but they got to believe in them. they got to take, and they got to take and be a follower of him. I'm not talking about following him to take and be some kind of preacher, pastor, or nothing like that. I'm talking about just a normal servant of the Lord Jesus. Every one of us is called to be servants. To be servants. And this is something that I just, 
I, I, I really love this. The book of Matthew chapter 13 and verses 44 tells us about the kingdom of heaven and it says it's like unto a treasure hid in a field. And it says, the which when a man hath found, he takes and hideth it. For joy thereafter goeth and he selleth all that he hath and he buyeth this field. Now, We've all read that scripture time and time again. Those that are any kind of Bible reader, you know that scripture probably by heart. It's it's talking about the the treasure in the field. I got to pondering on what this was, Brother Johnny, and wanted to kind of figure out what exactly is this treasure? What exactly is he talking about with this treasure? And I, I could never really just pinpoint it until one day, I was reading my Bible, and you know what the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel chapter 16? He tells us in verses 3 through 6, Thus saith the Lord unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. He says, Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. Now remember, I'm talking about the treasure in the field, y'all. He says, And as for thy nativity... In the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. He said, none I pitied thee to do any of these things, or these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast what? Cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. And when I passed by thee, this is what God said. When I passed by thee, he said, I saw thee polluted in thy own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I say unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. What are you trying to say? In the book of Ezekiel chapter 16, the Bible says that the mother went out there in an open field uh, and she had that baby uh, and she left that baby in the open field uh, and left it there to die and nobody cared about this baby uh, enough to want to pick this baby up it was abortion back then y'all that's the way the heathens uh, and the, uh, uh, the, the, the Egyptian way uh, was just for the mother to go out into an open field uh, and dig a small hole according to history uh, she would dig a small hole uh, and she would squat down and have her baby in that hole and leave it there to die. And how many knows the Bible says nobody pitied that baby enough to pick it up. But God said, when I saw that baby lying in that field, he said, I pitied thee and I picked thee up while you were in your blood. Boy, don't that sound like a type of salvation to you? Don't it sound like a type of salvation? Was you not that baby that was cast out into the world to fend for yourself? Nobody to care. Nobody to the love. I'm telling you what, y'all. I don't know if y'all know anything about it or not because y'all maybe have always been born in this church and raised in this church. But I tell you what, I know what it's like to be in a church that you don't feel the love of God coming off of people's lives. It don't feel too good. But you know what? But God, when he walks by, Brother Box, he picks this baby up. He holds this baby near unto him. It means something 
something to him. What are you trying to say? It's just something to serve God. But Jesus said, he said what? He said when someone sees that treasure, that life in the field, they go and sell everything to purchase that field. What are you trying to say? And I was spiritually dead, but somebody cared enough to give up the possessions of this world, to fall on their knees and cry out to Jesus to save my soul. Do you care enough to sell everything? The cost of following Him. It's the condition. It's the, not only is it the condition, but it's our commission. It's our commission. He says, go and tell them. How can they hear? Didn't one of the preachers at the missionary conference say, how can they hear without a preacher? You just might be the very preacher of someone's life. You never know. You never know. Amen. Not only do I see this, but look in verses 61. Lord, I better hurry. You're going to be kicking me out that back door. Look in verses 61 and 62. He said, hey, let me back up a little bit before I jump into this third point. Now, I don't believe by all means that Jesus cared that this man went and buried his father. I don't believe he was that cruel. But see, the thing was, is I believe that Jesus knew that his priorities wasn't quite in order. He needed him to see that he would obey him more so than wanting to take care of the tangible things. I believe that the story might be a little bit different, my own personal opinion. If maybe, Brother Chris, this man would have turned around and looked at Jesus and said, I'll follow you. But before we leave to go on our journey, can you follow me home to help me bury my father? Because you know what? I don't want Jesus to get out of my sight once I get him in my radar. (laughs) See, this man was in the radar of Jesus, but he was willing to let Jesus, Brother Box, leave him. So he could go yonder to go bury his father. See, he may have told Jesus, I'm speculating here. Jesus, you just go on on your journey. I know some shortcuts and I'll catch it later. I'll be there before you get to your journey. No, it don't work that way. You don't get to decide when Jesus is on your doorstep when you want to follow him. When he says, follow me, you better be ready to drop everything and follow him. And this man wasn't in that position that he was willing to say, yes, I'll go with you all the way to the end. He was willing to let Jesus leave him after Jesus just got to him. You see what I'm saying? I believe that Jesus wanted to stay with this man and he would have been glad to go with him. But he says, let the bed dead bury their dead. He was telling this man, yeah, go on home. You go ahead, you dead man. You're a dead man walking. That's what you are whenever Jesus is at your 
your doorstep. If you ain't willing to follow him, you're a dead man or a dead woman walking. I know that's a little blunt, but without Jesus in your heart and in your life, you're nothing but a dead person that's walking around. You may have breath in your body. You may have life in your lungs or breath in your lungs and life in your head. I don't know how to say it, but you get my drift. You are a dead person walking if Jesus is not in your heart. So we see the condition. We see the commission. Third point, final one, y'all. The consequences of not following him. I'll find it in verses 61 and 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But first, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The consequence means a result or an effect of an action or condition. That's what the word consequence means. The consequences of not following him, I believe, is the type of people that says stuff like this but I'm a good old boy or I'm a good old girl. But let me tell you something. Good boys and good girls go to hell just like anyone else. Some may sit there, well, I'm not a thief. Others are thieves. I'm not. Well, you know what? The honest person goes to hell just like the thief. Some may say, well, I've never taken and I've never lied. Let me tell you something, truth tellers and liars both go to hell. But you may sit there and say, well, I've been baptized. Well, if you were a dry sinner when you went in that pool, guess what you are when you come out of that pool? You're a wet sinner. That don't change you. There's only one thing that changes, and it's Jesus. It's his blood. It's the only thing that can save us. Ain't you glad to know that? Boy, I'm so glad that it ain't by my works, ain't you? I am so glad. How many knows Brother Mark Stroud? Anybody ever heard that name, Brother Mark Stroud? I know Sister Peggy and Brother David bound to have. I heard Brother Brother Mark Stroud in a message. I like listening to him preach. I like listening to a lot of preachers. Them old Baptist preachers preach. I love it. I I, I probably listen to several hours a day on, on the machine. Don't tell Johnny. (laughs) please don't tell him (laughs) but I heard him say in a message he said you know what mercy is grace I'm sorry he said grace he said grace to me the best way I know how to describe it he said is like a man coming into my house or a man, another man's house, I think is how he worded it. He said, another man's house. And taking and shooting his son and killing him. He said, now, justice would be the man taken and killing the man that killed his son back. That's justified. That he's justice. He's given justice. He'd given him something in return for what he did. He said, but mercy would be... Let him stand before the judge 
and looking at the judge and saying, Judge, I know he killed my son, but would you forgive him? Would you not let him go to jail? That's mercy. He said, but you know what grace is? He said, it would be like me locking hands with that man that just killed my son and carrying him back to my house and cleaning out my son's room and making the bed and taking that man that just murdered my son and putting him in the very bed that my son was at and tucking that murderer in in my son's bed. He said, that is grace. He said, that's what God done for us. That's what Jesus done on the cross. He took a guilty man that deserved to be justified on on what the merits of what I am. I deserve to go in hell. But Jesus said, Father, have mercy upon him. And not only did he give me mercy, but he gave me the amazing grace that I can stand here and say, He loves me and I love him because he loves me. My friends, grace is so important. Grace is so amazing. I don't know, there's not enough words that can describe how good God's grace is in our lives. Hallelujah. There's not nothing that can describe God's grace. Boy, we can sit here and try to explain it all night long be like a drop in the ocean. How many knows, but I love that God cared enough to give me his son for my sins. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, talking about the consequences of not following him, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And he says, and then when I profess unto them, he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers or ye that work iniquity. Uh, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, uh, just like I said a while ago, uh, good old boys and good old girls go to hell just like any other. Uh, but without Jesus Christ in your life, uh, how many knows that you ain't got a place that you can call home? Uh, but thank God for those that's been washed in his blood. Uh, thank God for those that's been washed in his blood. Uh, because by the blood of Jesus, uh, we have been set free. Uh, by the blood of Jesus, have we been set free. So if I could help you tonight, I would like you to consider the condition. Listen to the commission and count the consequences. It pays to serve God. It pays to serve God. Brother Troy, there's nothing like serving God. As she gets ready to come up here. It pays to serve God. How many knows the song I have decided to follow Jesus? We all do. I heard the story of how that song was wrote, and they said, and I listened to it to kind of refresh my mind. They said that 
there were some missionaries during the Wales Revival that take. And, and they go over into Wales, and there was a man that got stirred up. And he decides that he wants to take and he wants to be a missionary in India. Over in them Haitian countries, uh, parts of uh, India. And the story said that he takes and he decides that he's going to go to this certain village and he's going to start preaching about Jesus. Just telling people about who Jesus was. One family, they won to Christ stirred this family up so much that they went to start telling other people in the village about who Jesus was. They said in the story that the chief got wind of it and he takes and he brings that man, that missionary, up before everybody in front of the tribe. And he takes and he tries to get this missionary to renounce Jesus in his life. The story said that he takes and he tells them, he says, if you don't renounce Jesus, he said, some very bad things is going to happen to your family. He looks at them and he says, I can't. I can't. He said, well, if you don't, I'm going to kill your boys. He had two sons. They take and they line his two boys up and the chief turns around and he looks at the archers and he nods his head for them to shoot them. The story said he looked at the man one time before he shot him. He said, will you renounce Jesus if you don't? I'm going to kill your sons. He looks at him and he says, nope, because I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And he takes and he looks at them and he nods at them archers and they shoot them two boys and he's looking down at his boys' dead bodies and about that time, that Indian chief looks at him and says, if you don't, will you renounce Jesus? And he says, no. He said, I can't. He said, well, if you don't, I'm going to kill your wife. And he takes and he looks at the archers and they load another bow up, uh, and, or another arrow up in their bow. And he, he looks at them and he says, are you going to renounce Jesus? And he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. He says that he looks at them and he, they kill him, kill his wife and they're laying there and he looks and he falls down onto his knees and he begins to cry out to God. He begins to cry out to Jesus and the story said that that Indian chief looks at him and says, man, you have nothing left. You have nothing left in this world. Why won't you just renounce Jesus? He said, no turning back, no turning back for I have decided to follow Jesus and that story said that they they released them arrows uh, and killed him. Uh, well, what happened, preacher? Uh, several weeks later, the story says uh, that that Indian chief takes uh, and he gets so struck uh, by the way that this man would not renounce who Jesus was in his life uh, that he takes. Uh, and before it was over with, uh, he falls to his knees. Uh, he threw his hands up in the air uh, and says that there's no way uh, that nobody could die for their faith uh, unless the God that they serve is real in their life. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, stay real. Stay with the truth. Keep the word that's been in your that's been preached to us in your hearts, and say, I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. For I have decided to follow 
Jesus. But what if I've never followed him, preacher? Well, tonight will be a good night for you to decide that you want to follow Jesus. All right, go ahead.